The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling, is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. Well, welcome into another episode of the Story World Podcast. Steve Schramm here, my boy Al. What's up, man? Feels good to be back in the studio uh, with, yeah. but not with Steve, because we're always in different locations. This is true. This At is true. Point, we'll to... have to come together and do an in-person. Yeah. Yeah. The internet's just so magical. You know, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's like, it's like you're right there. So maybe we know. just uh, change up our backgrounds to match. So it just looks like that we're in the same. Oh, yeah. I could like take a screenshot of yours without you in it and then put, exactly. yeah. See, I like that. That's what probably we talk that idea. <laughs> what are we talking about tonight, Steve? Hopefully not that anymore. So, yeah, that's done. um, I, um, no time like the present. I have finally finished the Harry Potter series. Me and my Ooh. wife watched it and it was a, it was an undertaking, but boy, it was fun. It was great. It was really exciting. And so I think we're going to kind of have, uh, three or four parts even to this episode. So first we're going to take a, take a minute to talk about a episode or not an episode, but a movie that we missed in our episode on um, rating movies by cuts of meat, which if you're listening to this and you have not yet listened to or watched the episode where we rate our movies by cuts of meat, it is the best. You've it's got a meaty go. episode. There's a lot to dig into there. It's, 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 it's very, it's very meaty. No gristle, no gristle. No. So it's, uh, it's very good. So we're going to do that. And we're going to talk about, uh, uh, Harry Potter, just have a real organic discussion about um, about Harry Potter. So if you're into Harry Potter, I think you're really going to like this one. We're going to just really dig into some of the cool themes and um, and talk through what we liked and what we didn't like. And Alex is a pro. Alex knows his Harry Potter inside and out. So this should be an exciting uh, discussion. Um, yeah, and then I think we're going to uh, maybe talk a little bit about the future Harry Potter series and what we're expecting. And if you don't know about that, it's coming. Uh, and do some updates at the end. So uh, an action-packed episode, Alex, for our we viewers. we got a lot going on. Maybe we can get it done in less than three hours. I don't know. We'll, we'll see I sure what hope we can so. do. <laughs> I, sure, I, sure, I sure hope so, but I think it's going to be fun. So. <laughs> All right, so Joker. And again, uh, Steve mentioned our last episode about rating movies by cuts of meat, but if you haven't listened to our Joker review episode where we didn't have this final category, um, we still gave our Joker review, so go back and take a listen to that if you want to. Or we're just going to do a quick layout and give our final verdict on it. Yeah. Our meter meter. How about, Alex, how about you take the lead on this one? I'll take the lead on this one. Okay. So uh, we we kind of came up with some categories, too, to, to judge a movie by. And again, we have such a big episode. I'm going to try to get to this quick. Um, I, definitely a big fan of the movie. I think it was done really um, to perfection um, in, in many respects. Um, I mean... Right out of the, I think the thing that it focuses on the most is on the character side of it, of course. Um, you got uh, Joaquin Phoenix playing uh, Joker, Arthur Fleck, and just does a phenomenal job. Um, I, his, I think he must be in every scene of that movie, or very rarely is he not. Yeah. And in several scenes, he's on his own, just doing his own thing, and um, really sucks you into the character. And then any other character that's evolved, whether it's a, kind of one of the main side ones or one of the lesser ones, um, it really wraps you in. The actors did a phenomenal job. Um, character development and growth was really good. Um, it's one of those ones where um, Arthur Fleck is kind of a crazy guy, but you end up feeling for him. And um, again, we covered that in our review, but uh, phenomenal. The plot, the story, it's funny how you can cram so much in just, what, two and a half hour movie. And yeah. go from him being this kind of innocent guy with, you know, some mental issues to to the ultimate finish of that movie. Um, I think the there's only one downside that I had to it. And I was thinking about when we were making our categories, the um, emotional response to it. 
even though during the movie you definitely feel um some emotional tugs you know there's some intense moments then you feel for arthur and it definitely you know stirs up some emotions but at the end of the movie when the movie is over i those emotional strings just kind of um cut away and i don't really like 30 minutes later i'm not thinking about arthur fleck anymore i'm thinking about chores around the house or doing this or that it doesn't quite linger with me as um other movies do does that make sense and i wonder if what your kind of thoughts are on on that maybe you can go to before i give my final yeah no that totally makes sense to me um i think yeah it's definitely not something that keeps me up at night you know necessarily thinking about it but in the in the moment i have to say as far as the like emotional response in the moment it was a very heavy emotional response for me personally just because i um i understood and i we talked about this in the review but um i saw a lot of what i what is part of my daily experience thinking about marketing psychology you yeah. know i sort of saw that happening in the moment with this character in the movie and i thought wow this is like insanely powerful stuff when you watch the sort of the building of a tribe if you will in real time and just watching these people look for somebody to identify as the leader of their movement and like you know rise rise up and be willing to say the thing that nobody else was willing to say um and so yeah it, it doesn't it didn't, and I, a lot of the movies that we watch, not all of them, but a lot of them almost leave you at the end with like a puzzle to be solved, yeah. you know, and certainly Interstellar and um, Memento and um, um, the other one that keeps slipping my mind. Prestige. Um, Prestige, yeah. I don't know why that keeps slipping my mind. Uh, all of those are like, in a sense, mysteries to be solved, you know, that like I, by the end of the movie, I I wasn't quite like I didn't know what was going on. Whereas with the Joker, I don't think necessarily you have that, right? I don't I don't think you have that need to figure it out and, and know because you saw what happened. Um if anything, you're just like, oh, I wonder what's gonna happen next. And so I guess all that to say there was a very wordy way to say I did have a, an emotional response and I think it was consistent with the category intent of the movie. And so, you know, for me, I like, I, you know, I, it was, I was on board, but I totally agree. Um, obviously the plot was fantastic. Um, I don't know how much I'm not. So I'm, I'm into the Marvel and the DC. Like I'm, I'm, I'm into the idea of how a lot of these shows and movies pull from the comic books and stuff as original inspiration. But I have just, I've got zero idea. What the Joker movie that we watched had to do, yeah, gotcha. With book inspiration or whatever. I haven't watched any of that, so I don't know how much of the plot was like pieced together or directly inspired by old comic books or whatever. But as far as the plot of the movie that I could see, I thought it was just fantastic, and the character development is, of course, it's so good, on point, right? It's really good, and I think if 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 everything in the else in the movie was was terrible, which it wasn't, but even if it was. You know, the character development and the, you know, like, and even even part of the plot, like having to do with developing the character about how he was like seeing people in his head that weren't really there and like having these relationships with him that didn't really exist. And yeah. Right now to all of those little details, I just thought it was fantastic. Awesome. Awesome, Steve. Yeah, um, aside from that little nitpicky uh, thing that I had, uh, I I'm going to have to. Um, give it a stake rating on my chart, Steve. Yeah, it's one of those movies where uh, it's uh, it's hard, difficult to find a flaw in the movie. It's one of those kind of perfect setup movies, you know. Hundred um, percent, and I'm totally with you there. I'm a stake. I'm a stake on this mm, one all yes. the way. I perfect. think. I think. I think it was. I think it was absolutely wonderful. In fact, I can't imagine giving it a mere hamburger. I think that would oh, be a, tre tre a tremendous injustice. So. Yep, steak steak on Joker. It was really good, and I would I would watch it again ASAP. So yeah, yeah. You know they're um, coming out with a second one. Uh, I heard that. I think it doesn't sound appealing to me, but I I'll obviously give it a shot. I'm gonna box the name of the title. It's like it's a French name, Folie or or something like that. Something about a song, eh. but it's supposed to it has Lady Gaga playing Harley Quinn, 
and it's supposed to be interesting like a musical. I am not really? a fan of any sort of musicals. If there's like one of my favorite shows and there's one of those musical episodes, I'll skip it. I, I just I don't care for hey, that. I thought those were awful. But yeah. given how great the first one was, I'll obviously give it a shot. It's worth I'll giving a shot. No, I just had a completely unrelated thought to Joker, but another meter thought. Okay. Did we ever do an episode covering Dune? No, because we, we watched the theaters like three months before that we started this podcast. So we need to rewatch that. And with the gotcha. coming out the theaters at the end of the year, um, maybe the next couple months we uh, watched it again. Okay. I wasn't sure about that because I uh, I thought, you know, gosh, I feel like if we've talked about Dune and we didn't rate Dune, yeah. that would be terrible. Yeah, we, we haven't, haven't talked about it on the podcast yet. We haven't. Okay. Yet. We'll have to rewatch cool. that one night. Yeah, we need to rewatch that and then we could do that one, uh, a full episode review with yes. the Meter Meter too. Yeah, Man, I'm really perfect. excited now. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Awesome. Perfect. All right. So cool. moving, moving on to the land of magic, Steve. Man, the wizarding world. I just want to say how ecstatic I am that you have finally read the first couple books, but then watched all the movies. Um, I was I know. thrilled that you just creamed right through those. I know. I'm so pumped. I feel like, and it was good. Like me and my wife, we watch, you know, we'd sit down and we knocked out like, uh, uh, we knocked them out pretty quick. I mean, we, we covered this over just a, a month or two um, and got all the Harry Potter movies done. And man, they are just all, Awesome. I loved the progression. I loved everything. I loved the progression of the characters throughout. I loved the, obviously, the story. I think, did you mention something about that? Um, JK Rowling, like basically the whole, the entire plot for the whole thing came to her at once or something. Is that, is that accurate? Did you hear about that or say that? Or? Something about the main thing. I, I think as the story goes, she was on a train ride in. It, it kind of came to all at once. Not every little bit of it, of course, but of course, yeah. Uh, but like within like one trade ride or within a certain small amount of time, like a lot of it just kind of landed on her. And Isn't that interesting? Uh, so that's pretty cool. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really well, awesome. I don't know if you have an answer to this, but I'm just curious. What out of all seven, well, I guess eight movies, because the last book is two movies, what was your favorite one? Oh, man. What was my favorite one? Okay, so uh, I'm going to have to speak in very generalist terms here because, like, again, having only seen them once, yeah, like, absolutely. I don't, even, I don't even know I don't even know which title is which without yeah. looking at them. Okay, just that's be, true. Just, so I guess maybe your favorite segment of the story that you yeah. remember that really stood out to you. Yep, yep, yep. So I would say it's somewhere between movies two and three, maybe even number three. Um. For one, for one specific reason, the thing I didn't like about the later movies as they got darker and darker and all of that, there was less, and this was intentional, but it doesn't mean I have to like it. Uh, there, there was less of like the Hogwarts and the, and the, you know, and the stuff that happens like the, the Quidditch matches and the you know, just the, the houses and all mm -hmm. that fun stuff. And I think the, I think where the problem was is like growing up. So I had some friends who were like really into Harry Potter. Like I had this one friend who wrote all these fan fiction stories and everything. And so I would just always be reading about this or whatever. I never actually just watched the thing. Yeah, that's funny. But I was, but I was around it a lot. And so I would, you know, you would always hear talk about, oh, well, what house are you you know, what house are you? And da, 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 this, that, the other thing. And so um, I like how, so I, I think it's definitely fair to say, and you've mentioned this to me before, and I, I totally, you know, picked up on this, that the first movie, while of course good, and like almost the whole movie is an exercise in setting up the world. Like yeah. it's, it's, it really it's an is. exercise same in thing contextualization. For the book. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Same thing for the book. Um, it, and it definitely leaned more on the kid spectrum. I mean, Harry was a kid at the time and it, yep. you know, it all, you know, and so, uh, but as they got darker, they, th there was less of like the, uh, less of like the overall, uh, world, if you will. And like, it really zoomed in on like specific characters and stuff. 
And that's all well and good, but like, I guess I missed uh, elements of, well, like, it's like, you know, there are a couple, uh, is it fair to say there's a couple, there's one or two of them where they're like basically not even at Hogwarts at all. Maybe it's like five or six. It's like not even a thing. And then they, they're the last, they're the last um, two movies. Um, There is no hard words until the end. And that's true in the book. But yeah, I I agree with you. There's a lot of, they, they have to strip it down to the story's core elements. But yeah. kind of related, but shifting gears a little bit. But that's why I'm really excited about the HBO series coming out. Because assuming that each episode is around an hour, rather than having a two and a half hour movie per year, you're going to have three times the length of that. And so yeah. you're going to get that Hogwarts aspect each time. Or those even, I would argue, so um, the fourth episode with the Triwizard Tournament, um, the Goblet of Fire. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that um, is happens to be a lot of people's favorite um, book and movie. That's just a really popular one. Um, it's not mine, but it's still up there. Um, the book is phenomenal. But if you're a fan of the books, it tends to be one of the movies that you really dislike a lot. Because not only are there a lot of Hogwarts stuff that are stripped down, but even a lot of not necessarily essential plot elements, but very... Um, very important ones that when they yeah. go missing, it's just very bothersome. So having the, having those like eight hours for a season, well, honestly, you'll be able to cover every little bit of what's in that book. That's plenty of time to do that all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that that's one reason that's why I'm exciting. looking for Because I totally agree with you. As much as I, I love the progressiveness of the movies and everything, you're right. Towards the end, I mean, you're really getting down to the exact story and anything other little details that yeah. Rowling might put in her books just for kind of, um, you know, fun stuff to put in, you know, get stripped away. Yeah. And that's, as you, as you said yeah. that, that's kind of what I was thinking is like, it's almost like it loses some of the fun and I know the story gets darker. And so it kind of, it kind of has to, but like, you know, you talk about, um, like you talk about the, the wizarding world. And if you go to universal, it's like all, you know, like, like they've got the whole Hogwarts land or whatever it's called. I don't even know what it's called, but, but, yeah. but the whole, you know, and so there's, there's so much to the world, but I just found it kind of funny that like after number four, the world, if you will, gets very like in the background, if it's even there at all. And it's really yeah. just about what's happening to the characters, which mm-hmm. again, fine like the care like i love the characters i mean i thought they were great this is not necessarily a bad thing at all this is just like the reason why like two three four why those are my favorite is because they had a little more of the maturity aspect and like the the story was starting to definitely develop a little bit more um but it still had that overall um world feel yeah um to to uh to continue on this but also to change subjects a little bit of one of my favorite things throughout and like why as they went on, I was sort of like missing this. Um, I just like, it took, it took, it took probably getting to the third movie to like be like, Oh, okay. I see what they're doing here. But like the, um, you know, like I thought it was a nice touch that like the defense against the dark arts teacher is always the bad guy. Right. And so, and so like, I, it was kind of like, Oh, okay. I see. And so now I know what to expect. And so that's, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like revealing something ahead of time, but it's, it gets you excited for it because it's like, Oh, okay. I can't wait to see how this gets it's, screwed up. How, how is this guy going to get screwed up? Yeah. Yeah. And especially the one where, gosh, I forget which one it was, of course, but the one where like the guy was like the big fat guy with the glass eye, you know, and, 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 movie, and yeah. yeah. And he, um, 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 I was like, there's no possible way that this guy could be, you know, and then it turned out he was, but he wasn't, you know, the yeah. bad guy. And so uh, that was a, a fun thing, you know, that again, you just, you just didn't really get that as it, as, as in those later episodes, because they just weren't focused on that. Right. And so it was like one of those right. fun elements that anyway, so, but I loved that about them. I thought, I thought that was a really clever little thing that, that she did there. I forgot if it was in the movie or the book or maybe both. Uh, I forget, but um, in the Haplet Prince, where 
Snape is announced to be the new Defense Against Dark Arts teacher. I think Ron makes a comment of, well, at least we know Snape will be gone by the end of the year. I thought that was uh, pretty funny. Yeah, that's pretty clever. (laughs) That's That's pretty pretty clever. clever. Um, Another thing, too, on the seriousness of the movies that I actually just thought of, not just the uh, the darker tone of the story, but um, just as the kids maturing, too. So I guess it applies to anything. Think about um, whether it's uh, college or you first get married or any type of new environment you're in or if you're a kid you get so excited about like your first place into something or your first time like wow look at this look at this Mm -hmm. and then think about two years go by three years go by even if you end up being in a magical place once you're once you kind of get used to that it just becomes the norm and so it it does even aside from the story getting serious it makes sense as the kids get older and then everything is more the same to them in their world um, that yeah. is going to have a more natural tone, I guess. That makes sense. Yeah, it's like because it is hard to pinpoint what could have been done differently. So I, I don't I don't think I necessarily would have wanted it to be different. It's just yeah. one of those things that I noticed like they haven't even, you know, it's like I, get, you know. I get pictures Steve putting on the first Harry Potter just on repeat, never getting past the first one. Right. Just like right. the first right. time. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, well, well uh, but to be fair, I thought that I thought I also thought that it was weird that like you don't even interact with the bad guy until the very last scene mm. of the first movie. And so I thought that was weird too. You know, and so very, know. it's very different. It's different. It is and different. And even after the first way. even after the first movie, it it's um it's very even though he's confronted with Voldemort, he was, you know, kind of, you know, fused himself with Professor Coral there, it even at that little bit, you still don't feel the weight of the seriousness of it. Um, you just think, okay, so he's going to be the bad guy, and what's next? And it's really not... It, the second one gets pretty dark pretty quickly, actually. For as light as a movie, the second one starts out to be. It gets uh-huh. pretty dark with the Chamber of Secrets being open. And then, oh, after, yeah. and then after that, it um, she has a pretty quick progression into um the seriousness of it especially the fourth one that's when Voldemort gets his body back and there's a lot of pretty kind of that's pretty crazy there yeah yeah that's a crazy one yeah it really is um is there anything about the movies that you absolutely did not like as far as um not necessarily how the movie was filmed but the actual story that J.K. Rowling wrote was there anything that you didn't care for or thought was kind of off-putting or that you would change Man, that's a really good question. You know, I'm having trouble thinking of anything that that falls into that category other than what I've already mentioned. Um, you know, uh, right off the bat, I mean, I, I I feel like it was very well executed. Obviously, I mean, she's one of the most fantastic writers, mm-hmm. you know, ever. I mean, I I did I did find it interesting that like, and this is probably a nothing burger too, but like since I'm just catching up on all of this stuff, like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, like all at the same time, I'm like noticing things, you know? So like, I'm, I noticed how like both Voldemort and, um, um, the bad guy in the Lord of the Rings are, you know, are both called the dark Lord. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so I was like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. Like, you know, I, you know, it seems like one was written a long time before the other. And so maybe they're kind of like piggybacking off of that, or maybe that's just a, generic term like the biblical term elohim or whatever maybe it's just fair mm. enough to call any of them a dark a dark lord um but you know uh, what's funny my dates might be a little bit off but it's been about 25 years or so since Rowling came out with the first book and i think she worked on it for a few years so it was like early to mid 90s i believe that she was formulating all these thoughts i believe early 90s the lord of the rings didn't come out i think till 57 Right, I think, and so there's almost as much difference between now when Rowling wrote her first book and was singing about it versus when Rowling was singing about this stuff when Lord of the Rings came out. Not quite, but um, no, it's kind of fun. So even though it was still you know 35 years or so between her and Lord of the Rings, that's a lot closer than. Don't yeah, I think. Yeah, that's really crazy, huh? To think about that, it's like. Anyway, it's it's yeah, it's like those posts you see on. Well, you're not on Facebook right now, which is God bless you. I'm glad you're not. I, I wish I was very wasn't. helpful. I bet. Um, I bet. Um, but the it's like you see these posts that are like, by the way, when you were in the early 2000s talking about classic rock or whatever, <laughs> yeah. like 
to people to to kids today like 90s uh, music is classic rock and i'm just yeah. like okay i hate you i'm so mad that you pointed that out yeah. now I, I feel ultra old and i don't know how it happened because i was just in my you know grandparents backyard playing basketball yeah. like three three minutes ago the, the so. two weird ones for me are when they say this is what we think video game graphics looks like in 2002 and this is what they actually look like and oh, it's just yeah. it's so crazy then the other one is every once in a while i'll see whether it's a family member or something on social media or whatever, someone born in 2005 or six having like two kids or something. Obviously, they're really yeah. young, but I'm just, it just, just some weird, yep. weird yep. stuff about getting old. I know. I know, man. Getting old is weird, but, especially with the internet now to remind you of how old you are. Like yeah. every two, it's weird. So, <laughs> um, it's speaking along those lines of the time stuff, I, I think we kind of mentioned this before, maybe. I wonder how differently Rowling's books would have looked if she had had the idea of start, or started writing them when cell phones became a larger thing. Um, just with how, just just a couple different aspects. One, like people discovering um, who wizards are. You know, think about today with ring cameras and I mean, just so yes. many different technology stuff. And then plus, and even for the 90s, and this is something I, I'm sure that there's explanations for. It. I get it. But the fact that um, it's very common in the wizarding world to deliver posts by owl. By owl. Yeah. Um, I mean, to it just it's very silly when with cell phones. But even then, people had landline phones. And yeah, sure, it was more difficult. But you had email, landline phones, and all this kind of stuff. That's the, honestly, that's probably the one aspect of all the Harry Potter stuff that just bothered me the most i was just always so frustrated reading the books and seeing harry write a letter to sirius and then not know, thinking it would get there like in five or ten days or however long and yeah just waiting well, another five or ten days for a response <laughs> well it's kind of weird too because like because not only was it set like mo in modern day like which was obvious from the settings and like like mm -hmm. right i mean i'm not wrong about that right it was set and like the movies, I believe the movies actually do take place around 2000 time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I was thinking. Oh, okay. yeah, like, yeah, gotcha. Like if you look at the buses and the cars and like yeah, the cities yeah, yeah. in those times when they are in, you know, muggle land, if you will. Right. Um, it looks like, you know, accurate, right? Accurate time mm -hmm. period. Yeah. Um, and so like when you consider that they, as wizards, you would think, like there's kind of two things going on, right? Because you would think that, you know, I mean, we we talk about technology as magic, right? And like, you know, yeah. there's this there's this idea that it's like what they used to think was called magic. Now we just call it technology, right? And so you would almost think that like somebody with the power to do actual magic would be in some ways more technologically advanced. But then like at the same time, and I, I guess this is actually something that maybe she should be commended for. At the same time, she is able to give the wizarding world this air of tradition, you know, where you're talking about witches yeah. and wizards and you're talking about like, you know, these big castles and, and everything. And so it's almost like in some ways the wizarding world takes you back to a more primitive time. Um, and yet they are more advanced in what they can do and so it's you know it's kind of strange how it, and it's, it's it's part of the allure of it all i think probably but it, it is kind of interesting um i agree um it, I, I do like what you brought up the wizarding like tradition stuff um and you kind of even if it's not addressed directly you still kind of have that feeling while watching it um one yeah another thing too that always kind of boggled my mind and it's just nothing that seems weird to me and maybe you have thoughts on it. So I'm sure it's been addressed elsewhere, but I'm just, I'm not one to skim Reddit 24 seven. So, oh, uh, hey. according to Rowling, and I don't know if she said this a year ago or 20 years ago when she was first writing the books, but in the United Kingdom, so Hogwarts has, I think like three to 400 students, around 400. It, it's something like that. I could be a little off. And so that means that all the wizards in the whole United Kingdom is no more than like 5,000, like maybe three to 5,000 people. Yeah. And then in different parts of the world have their own, like Germany has their own school, um, you know, Japan, 
she, you know, all around the world they are, but that's just the UK portion. And I always thought it was weird that, you know, 3,000 people, even if you say 5,000, it's not a lot of people. I grew up in a town of 5,000 people and it's just, you know, it's, it's hardly anything when really we don't sure, yeah. think about it. Um, yet in the wizarding world, they have a, the ministry of magic, where if you look at the scenes, you feel like that it's a mini city of wizards working there. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't take into account all the wizards in different towns that are living that don't work there. And watching the movie just feels like you would think that there's a hundred thousand wizards, you know, right. in, like one area. Um, yeah. Whereas in reality, just calculating the students at the school in the math that J.K. Rowling's did, there's only a few thousand people. And that's another something that has never really connected in my mind, never really connected the dots. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, wow. Yeah, I wasn't prepared to think about math. Um, that's <laughs> See, interesting. Just think, it, it, without even her words, just kind of look in naturally, if there's like 400 students or so at Hogwarts, you don't have more than four to 6,000 wizards in the whole UK. Yeah, watching the movies, you feel like that there's yeah, thousands, feels... of thousands of thousands of wizards. Yeah, just a, it feels huge. Just an odd thing that I've never been able to really connect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, and especially when you consider like, you know, Diagon Alley and like mm. just the different places they go. It's like, yeah, this looks like this huge because, yeah, four to six thousand people or so is nothing. I mean, just a complete nothing burger. Yeah, you're right. So, if you just anyway, look at Diagon Alley weird. and all the people there that, you know, you must have half the wizards there then at any given time, but then you also must have at least half in the Ministry of Magic working. So where does that leave all the other jobs and wizards? And anyway, yeah, that's an interesting that would, thought. But that wouldn't include like the, you know, the elves and the goblins and all that. Right. Like, it, does, it does exclude that. Yeah. yeah. It so it's like there, there, are, there are more than just wizards and witches, if you will. The um, in the speaking of, speaking of elves, something interesting. It uh, that's probably one of the biggest um criticisms of the movie is again they kind of had to strip it for time and everything. But the elves actually play a really big part in the books, and specifically Dobby. Even though he shows up throughout the movies, yeah, quite often he like appears that. in the books probably two or three times as much as he does in the movies in some pretty big ways too. Really, um, specifically, the, specifically the fourth book. Um, and so I, without a doubt, that will be shown in the uh, television series. So I'm excited, really excited. Oh, that's exciting. That. That's yeah, exciting. Really cool. Yeah. I, I, I find again, I'm, I'm, I'm able to make some comparisons here just because of how fresh all of this stuff is for me. But like, I find it so interesting how differently an elf is predicted in the works of Harry Potter than yeah. it is in the Lord of the Rings. You know, when I think of yeah, elves, right. if you will, in the Lord of the Rings, it's, it's a, it's a completely different, you know, kind so of different. feel. And yeah, like a lot yeah. of the, the magical and mystical, like like when, when Dobby breaks in there, that yeah. I guess it's the last movie, when when or second to last movie, when Dobby breaks in and, you know, rescues them, um, he's like, you know, of course I can just randomly show up here. I'm an yeah, elf. Right. It's like, yeah, I'm oh, like, oh, I'm, excuse I wasn't aware that you, yeah. you could just do anything you wanted because you were an elf. I didn't wear, you know, you know elves were God. So, um, no, but it was, it was really kind of like, and I'm guessing the books fleshed that out more, but until he said that, I, I didn't know. I mean, I didn't have any clue what kind of power was bestowed upon free elves. Yeah, I forget um, specifically what the books say on it, but the elves magic is like innate to them. You know, they don't have to like learn it or have a wand, but and it's sure, really yeah. powerful stuff. I forget the whole specifics of it, but, uh, yeah. yeah, some interesting things there. Speaking of the Lord of the Rings elves. Have you ever seen the depiction of them in some of the old cartoons that came out like at the seventies? I think you've showed you've showed me some. Uh, but... the elves are like these like hunched over blue creatures. And they're like creature creatures, not man like humanoids. It's very yeah. very interesting the depictions that they've had sometimes. Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of crazy. Um, um so the big question, what did you think of the Snape's character development in his final for wow. the last movie. I had a feeling that some that things weren't as they appeared, but I didn't understand how to put all of that together. Yeah. Um and so I was I was actually quite glad to see it turn out the way that it did because I really did want to think 
that Snape was a good guy, right? And I was really upset when it was starting to look like Snake was Snape was not a good guy. Yeah. Um made you feel really good at the end. A real feel good part. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'll be honest, kind of weird, kind of a little love trial th- triangle thing going on there with Snape and okay. James and Lily. Uh, kind of weird. Um, but uh, it's clear that he cared for um Harry quite a bit, and you know, interesting how kind of you know like having to keep a distance and all of that, you know, was 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 kind of odd. Um, that's uh, that's one of the things that again the movie doesn't depict so well is you kind of said like the love triangle in a sense that's true but um i think the movies touch on it a little bit but in the books um when harry looks in the pensieve with um yeah gandalf uh, gandalf dumbledore and then also when he uh he kind of remember he taps into snape's memory that yeah. was they're practicing occlumency so um i forget exactly where during the line it might even been with snape's memory he gave it to harry at the end but it really shows how Snape and Lily, Harry's mother, developed a friendship before they even went to Hogwarts together. Right. So they were friends long before she even met James. And over the summers, they were friends together. And so that's gotcha. why. And so any time. So when she finally started to show an interest in Harry's dad, it, that just kind of really de-escalated him and really, you know, kind of, you know, sure. affected him a lot. Yeah, of course. Um yeah, but but cool that you know ultimately he was still looking out for Harry the whole time. Yeah, and um, you know I thought that was I thought it was good. So I liked that. I thought I thought I was really glad that Snape ended up you know being one of the one of the good guys, and it kind of showed you you know behind the scenes of some of the different things of how right. how he covered for Harry and stuff. And that, I thought well, that was cool. Oh, one point again, I, the movie touched on very little, but it's one of my favorite aspects of that final Snape reveal and it's in the books very clearly but I don't think it shows it too much in the movie you know how at the end when Voldemort's talking to Snape I don't know if you noticed but Snape is really staring at the snake a lot um so in one of the Pensy memories I don't think the movie shows it Dumbledore is talking to Snape and he says at some point um because Dumbledore knows that or really assumes that the snake is one of um Voldemort's um, horcruxes so he says, at the end, Snape doesn't know about Harry hunting for the Horcruxes. Dumbledore right. tells Snape, at the end, watch for Voldemort keeping his snake very close to him. And at that point, you need to go find Harry. And I forget the specific task, either help them get into Hogwarts or tell him, oh, tell him the final instruction about him being the final Horcruxer. Something like that. I forget exactly. Mm-hmm. And so at the end... Snape sees the snake and he sees Voldemort acting weird and keeping the snake close to him. And so Snape keeps trying to tell Voldemort, like, let me leave and go do this for you. Because he's trying to leave to finally go tell Harry everything. And he never gets that chance because Voldemort kills him. But then he gets Harry that memory. So that part was really tense in the book because Snape's like really wanting to go now because he knows this is prime time where he needs to get to Harry. And tell right what's going yeah on. That, yeah i don't think i don't recall anything quite like that it's a, just a really intense part well, i can't wait to read the books i mean I, i'm really excited how many times have you read the books i've read the first three like four times and then the last I, a lot of times i don't know why i skip and i just go to four through seven and i've read the last four through seven yeah like five or six times give or take there's some people who have read it so many four times out there. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> there's no. there are people there are people there that read it like once or twice every year. But yeah, I've read it. I've read them each a few times. So, okay, help me help me with this. Okay, this therapy. Okay, I'm on I'm on the couch now. Okay, <laughs> therapy. Can you please like I that can, would be a good visual aid. I can. <laughs> no. Okay. I can barely make it through. Like, I, I get so caught up in nonfiction. I can barely make it through a fiction book one time, let alone. Like, so how, what is it that keeps you coming back to fiction books that you've read? And, like, like again, I'm talking to a guy who goes to our church and, like, the, the Jack Carr novels, the one, like, the one um, that, uh, that they just made the prime, the terminalist. Like he's like, oh yeah, I, like I noticed that book on his you know shelf or whatever. And he's like, oh yeah, I've read that like three times. 
So what keeps you coming? What keeps people coming back to like reading the same fiction books over and over again? I feel like once, okay, yeah, I've read it, I've read it. I know what happens. So why do I need to read it again? What keeps you personally coming back? There, there's a few things um, that really quickly come to mind. Oh, the first one is that um, wanting to really make something of myself for being a writer myself, just simply mm. reading as much fiction as possible just naturally boosts that skill. Um, and so being able to dissect certain writing techniques or being able to pinpoint, wow, this, you know, take notes on something that happened at the first book, like a question that I have, and then seeing it addressed later on. Um, now, that could be for any book, though. Repeating a book, I, at first, I, I didn't do that too much. I wanted to read every different book that I could. It is good to read a variety. But then I kind of realized if I have a favorite book that really does a lot for me, there's no reason why I shouldn't read it again. Now, I probably won't read Harry Potter again until maybe like my daughter does or something. Mm -hmm. But like I read Harry Potter first when I was around 10 years old, some of the earlier ones. I think I was 15 when the last one came out. And then say if I read it again, I just finished reading them through now when I'm 30. That's a huge just a mental gap too, where it's a totally different kind of story that unfolds before me that I'm looking at different things. Um, that I would have if I were a 12 year old or 20 years old. Um, another aspect is, um, unlike a movie that's two and a half hours long and it's a uh, visual right in front of you with a book, there's a lot of details that I just forget. So even though I know Harry Potter very well, reading it through this last time, there were a ton of things that this minor details that I appreciate going through and, re and remembering that I, that I had forgotten. Um, so those were, those are a couple reasons right there. No, I like that. That's fair enough. Like on that last one, I can identify with that. Obviously, the I don't I don't believe the Bible is fiction. I believe it's true. But the same thing happens for me with the Bible. I mean, yeah, I've read the whole thing cover to cover a few times. Um, I think a few times now. Um, but yeah, like I'm going back and trying to read just slower now. And, yeah. You know, it's like, oh man, like I don't remember this. Like obviously, you remember the big rocks. You remember the big ones that you learned in Sunday school, right? But then, like, there's a lot of other ones, like you know, the, um, you know, the widow who was, or not widow, but the concubine who was, um, abused in Gibeah that the guy cut up and send, sent her body parts to yeah, all of the, the lands of Israel to like wake them up to their, and it's like, okay, I vaguely remember that, but yeah. I didn't remember any of the details behind it and like why that happened and what consequence that had and, and just all those little details and things. Um, and, and, and with the Bible, of course, one of the cool things that you can do is like go back and read with different lenses, you know. And so you can be looking, you can be specifically looking for, okay, well, what uh, on this whole this read through of this text or this like, what does it say about prayer or what does it say about you know managing your money, managing your time or what is you know about these different things? It's like you can take different lessons depending on the lens through which you're reading it. Um, um, you know, like if you're looking to if you're if you're reading the Bible with with the idea that you want to learn something is different than reading the Bible for the idea that you want to do something with what you've learned. Right. And so yeah. it's like, even that, so it's many yeah. different ways that you can read things. So I'm, I guess it's kind of the same thing there, different perspectives on different. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I actually, that, that's a really good thought, especially not thinking and specifically on um, the Bible. Like I I've gone through before and read parts where literally my one focus is on what does the Bible say about like God's character and who God is. Like yeah. other stuff, like I kind of like would still read, but skim through and literally just really focusing on certain aspects. And it's the same thing for fiction reading too. I guess as I read fiction, I try to really encompass everything because I don't want to have to read through the first Harry Potter book 50 times and focus on one specific thing each time. Um, yes. But yeah, just really trying to write down specific questions that you have and, and work that through. Um, Interesting. Kind of uh, backtracking a little bit, but um, I thought that I had earlier that I forgot um, Rowling was very good at foreshadowing things early on in her books. Uh, one of Stephen King's rules is that if someone ends up pulling a gun from a mantle place to use it in a scene, you better have well mentioned that gun on the mantelpiece at the start of the scene or when they walk into the room. Oh, and, uh, right, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure there's parts where um, she didn't do that in her books because there's so many. But um, for the most part, uh, heck, remember the Vanishing Cabinet in book six? I mean, that yeah. goes all the way back to. I think book one, pretty sure. Book yeah. When it's first mentioned. I mean, just some really wild stuff that she really had thought out. Uh, just excellent. That's uh, crazy. Yeah. 
That's I think, really something. I think that concludes all of my remarks on Harry Potter. I mean, I'm sure we could talk for hours more going into different things, but um, kind of high level, yeah. that uh, kind of covers it. Yeah, man. No, that's, that's great. It was a fantastic, um, a fantastic uh, series to watch, and I'm really excited to read the books. I've got, I know I say this every time we really get to talking about fiction, but I've got to get more into fiction because it's just so much more relaxing. And I, 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 mm-hmm. I make plenty of time to learn with nonfiction. I, I am in I am in no danger of of reading so much fiction that I'll never read nonfiction. That's definitely not my problem. I need to get more it's like right now I'm working through a book and God help me. I, some <laughs> people are so good at being like at like just stopping when when they're like not really getting what they want from a book and then moving on to the next thing. I am not good at it. I I am or through it. I look for the, well, the way I treat a book is if there's almost no book that I can't take one nugget of amazing applicable wisdom to my life. And I definitely have FOMO around that. Like, I'm just like, okay, I really feel like I can get something from this book. And so I'm like always looking for whatever that is. And then um, if it doesn't, and then anything beyond that is a bonus. And most of the time when I read a book, I end up there. There's bonuses, right? There's a lot yeah. more than just that one thing. And so I'm working through a book right now called the 5am club by Robin, uh, Robin Sharma. And it's a, it's a fiction. It's a fictional. Um, it's a parable, right? It's a business parable. It's like sort of the genre. And so its point is to teach business lessons, but it teaches those business lessons in the context of a story. And it's one of the longer ones that I've ever read. And it's really wearing on me. <laughs> but and so anyway, I'm trying, but I'm trying desperately to make it through and 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 get it done. Um it's not terrible. It's it's got, you know, it's it's not like it's a bad book. It's just there's a lot of, if you will, review for me of stuff that I know and that I've I've, you know, but it's good to be reminded of. But it's like, yeah, that's it's a fiction book and I'm just having a hard time. It's fiction, but it's but obviously teaching, you're supposed to teach real life lessons. And it's anyway, it's just, it's kind of hard to get through, but I, I'm a sucker. I just can't put it down. I've got to like, I've got to power through it and finish it and then move on to the next book. So it's just Interesting. a weakness. Yeah. Um, it very different, but reminds me of something that happened to me one time. I must've been 11 or so. It was my first read through of the Thomas Covenant books. I had just yeah. finished the first one. And we were going on a road trip to Florida. My parents drove through the night, so 24-hour drive. And I never slept. I just couldn't sleep in the car. So I was really excited to dive into the second book and just read it all night long. Um, right at the get-go, I never had this problem before, except for that week uh, traveling to and from Florida. Reading the book, I couldn't picture the images in my mind. Like, the words yeah. were not forming images in my mind. And so I was just reading words, and just nothing was connecting. And it was, and I was so frustrated and I put the book down, gave it a break, read it and my mind just, just couldn't do it. It was the weirdest thing. It never happened to me again since then. But, um, I remember just that frustrated feeling on not being able to just picture what the author wanted me to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I kind of have that with this book that I'm talking about. And (laughs) part of it, part of the problem, here's the problem. The book is either using, it's, there's no middle ground. So another book that's in this genre called the, is called The Go-Giver. And it's just fantastic. Like, it's short. It's to the point. There's this, the, the story and the lesson are, like, really well tied together. And it doesn't string you along. This book, it's like there's no middle ground. It will spend an arduous amount of time. I've been using that word a lot lately. Anyway, it will spend a a lot of, it will use a lot of time in like this almost woo-woo, mystical. You've been using that word a lot too, woo-woo. Just elevate yourself and awaken your power. It's just just like like true, you know, world changers do blah, 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 blah. And then it will all of a sudden transition to like this ultra tactical 16 step framework with sub points and like this and the other thing and and it's just like what are you doing to me it's like in one second 
it is in the clouds. And then the next second, it's like eight foot under the earth. And I'm just like, can we just get to eye level with this thing? <laughs> and so it's, it's anyway, I need to just talk Sounds like a disaster. Hand. At this point, I'm like 60, like almost 70% of the way through the book. And so I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to get done with it so I can move on to something that is more, either more practical or more fictional, you know, but I got to, I got to move on to something else. So anyway, that's where I'm at. So. Well, yeah. cheers. Good deal, Steve. Yeah, man. So, um, so yeah. why don't we conclude this podcast with kind of maybe giving a brief update on what's going on in the life of Steve and the life of your boy, Al. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, you want to go first? I feel yeah, like I'll keep it away. Yeah, you have. Um, I wasn't going to say anything, but since you brought it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will. Sure. I will be. I will be billing you for my time. Uh, <laughs> oh no, I can't. Uh, I can't afford you. <laughs> yeah. Do, yeah. Um, so yeah, a, a quick update for me. I've actually been really writing um, very quickly through uh, the first draft of my book. Um, I'd say on probably around twenty five to 30% of the way through it. And um, awesome. I've put a big dent in it just recently and I'm just really cruising through it. My goal, I don't want to say all that because I feel like it'll jinx it, but I have a pretty good goal to get this done in a shorter amount of time than I thought. Yeah. And it would just be great to get that first draft off my shoulders so I can work on the second draft and then send it out to my man, Steve, and a couple other of uh, close uh, friends and family to to read through that. Um, so good news there. I'm hoping I can power through it and have some updates on that. Uh, and then starting, I'm hoping within the next two, three weeks at the very tops, um, doing my own podcast finally, taking all the tips and yeah. the tricks that Steve has taught me. And um, it's basically going to be a, uh, it's going to start out uh, as like an analysis of books. The first series I'm actually going to read through is Dune just because part two is coming out. So I'm just going to go yeah. kind of chapter by chapter and give my own thoughts and opinions on each on each chapter and each segment and kind of walk through it and give my opinions on it. And then I think I'll probably naturally branch out. If I hear things about Harry Potter coming out, I'll review probably that show, even though I, the first season of rings of power was, was, eh, I'll probably watch the second one. And so it'll probably be an all encompassing fictional fantasy thing, but uh, mostly yeah. though, to promote my writing and um, you know, that's the, that's the goal of it, but it'll be fun just to talk about fiction along the way and enjoy reading and, uh, and reading stuff and sharing my opinions on all that. So hopefully that'll launch yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, yeah, so on, on my end, um, really not. Um, I'm kind of in, in um, if you will, maintenance mode on a lot of the things that are going on on, on my end, which is um, which is good. It's, it's usually good that I, if, if I'm not branching out too far in, into other things, um, probably uh, it's been since the last update that I did a sort of relaunch of my uh, coaching platform for my business. And for um, basically, um, I help web designers build a business with recurring revenue. Um, and so um, um, taking the lessons that I've learned from the last seven or eight years and, you know, building my own agency. And so that has really started to to pick up some steam and and get some get some new blood in there. And, uh, and so the, the podcast on that end and everything is doing well. So I'm excited for that. I had a little bit of lull in my web design client work. So if you're listening out there and you need a website, Hey, come hit me up. Had a little bit of lull in the client work there. Um, but it's kind of being made up for, if you will, with the other stuff. So that's kind of helping and, um, and really good. Um, so the, the other thing I'm thinking through right now is I, um, so for a while, the first thing that I ever really did on the internet was started my blog on um, ministry uh, stuff, talking about apologetics and theology and, and all of that. Um, it, it, it's kind of one of those weird things because it feels like I've been doing that forever, but it's only been since April of 2017, I think, that that website even went live. And so it's only, you know, I mean, six years is not a... Um, a, a short amount of time, but it's not an overly long amount of time either. Yeah. And so it's kind of hard to believe. But so for the last couple, couple, three years, it's actually been sort of on hiatus um, with, I, I've been keeping up podcasts going like the Winsome Creationist and the Bible Nerd podcast. And that's on hiatus now too. But anyway, I've, I've been uh, doing things here and there, but I had stopped actually producing new content for that blog. Um, 
just because of business commitments and and things like that. So I was telling Alex beforehand that I've recently sort of, and I won't go on all into it here, but for time, but um, most of you have probably turned this off by now anyway. Uh, but I, I don't just, say that, Steve. I, no. I, I, just, I just recently have, you know, kind of had an epiphany, if you will, on how I could work, work in some of my thoughts on business and marketing and theology and just creation and just a lot of the things that I'm interested in and how they can all kind of come together under one umbrella. So I'm sort of going to start working on that and maybe start doing some more writing over there again. And, you know, maybe pulling in podcast episodes with the RSS feeds and, um, and some things like that, you know, just, just to kind of, um, start building up the content on that site again, because it's, it's already got a good amount of traffic. Like that site gets trafficked quite a bit from blog articles that I wrote a long time ago. And so, um, I kind of feel like I could just very easily pick up with it and start getting some traction on that again. The the big thing is, is that I don't want to do it just for the sake of doing it. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense, like I, I there's definitely going to need to be a plan, a business plan around it, right? A, a monetization plan. And I, it, 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 it gets into a lot of things. It gets into writing. I mean, obviously I love to write books. I've written four so far. I'm working on another one. And so I want, I really want a place to still be able to promote that and just keep writing and, you know, it's kind of like my, if if you will, this is my retirement plan, right? Is to have some sort of, some sort of ministry slash business that, that is educating people on the realities of marketing and business and the Bible and theology and all of that. Um, um, and I, I, let me just say this, this is not, so let's get out of update territory and, and, and go just kind of to this one extra little topic here. Bonus topic. Okay. Bonus topic. Um, um, I don't want to say that I've been struggling with this because I don't want to over over dramatize it. Um, Please do, but but uh, well, so I was watching a Dana White interview the other day, and um, for those of you who don't know, Dana White is the president of the UFC. He's got like ten percent ownership in the UFC, um, and he's a beast when it comes to business and just yeah, he's he's a real beast, and. Um, he said, he said, he made a comment in this interview. Where he was like, well, I've always known that I wanted to be in the fight business. And um, obviously, he's not the only person to have some sort of dream or some sort of grand purpose or just, or just whatever when it comes to his work. But I can't help but notice that the people who are driven by something bigger and specific persist. And stay with it and are trying to build something that goes beyond just showing up to work every day. And showing up to work every day is perfectly respectable. It's respectable whether you have a job or whether you own a business or, or you know, or, or whatever. You like your job. I know, Alex, you like your job. But, of course, I don't necessarily think it's like your ultimate dream was to, you know, to do what you're doing at your full-time job, even though you, you do like it. And in fact, you might even love it. And that might be fair to say. I love what I do. I love my business. Part of what I want to do is business, right? Is just have a port. And so in that regard, I like what, what we do and, and all that. But it's definitely not like, I definitely couldn't say something like, yeah, I just always know what I wanted to be in the web design business. Because that's not true, right? That, and so I have I have been sort of thinking, okay, well, obviously this is, you know, this is what I do right now. It's what I'm good at. I do love marketing. So it's not that I don't love it. I, I love working with my clients and all that. All of that is great. Um, but it, it's, it, none of that is the thing that I would say, oh, well, like 20, 25, 30 years from now or just whatever. Like, uh, did lights just change? I think my lights just that changed. That did. That was kind of weird. It was spooky. Um, None of uh, none of those things um, are like what I would say. Oh, I've just always wanted to do this sort of thing, and so um, I kind of know what that is, right? It's, it's in that it's it's in the ministry realm, but it's definitely more in that you know, like not full time vocational ministry necessarily. It's going to be more about thought leadership and writing and uh, you know things along that nature. So anyway, so what I I said all of that to say that I'm. I'm just trying to make sure that I have something going, even if it's in the background, to kind of like keep that alive so that when I do make a transition to that more full time or whatever, like it makes sense and there's a plan there and, you know, there's assets built up that, and, and all of that. So anyway, it's kind of interesting. Some I've been thinking through lately. And so that's what I'm, I'm really working on transforming stevestram.com, my blog, yeah. into, into 
the ecosystem and, and the hub for for that. And what that's going to look like is bringing more business related content into what is already a lot of marketing content, or excuse me, a lot of uh, just ministry yeah. and theology content. That's interesting. So. That's interesting. Yeah. When you put that into practice and work through it, keep me updated on that. Yeah, yeah, I will. I will. Um, yeah, it'll be. I'm, I'm sure it'll be part of what we're. Yeah, what we'll talk about going forward. We're every time I hear you, every time offline. we talk about this stuff, I'm just glad that my one focus is writing fiction. No, uh, makes it so that, easy, that's right? It, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the intro still says that you're a wannabe game designer, though. So I mean, there is oh, another whole. I, 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 don't I, know I think I will. I think I will always want to be that. And then <laughs> when it came down to the wire. You just only have so much time in the day. Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I got you. Okay, man. Well, All right, Steve. Great. great episode. Good talking with you as usual. As always, yes, sir. And um, the pleasure's all mine.